Our guests today are writer-director Lesson Noor and Christian Norlick. Now, Lesson Noor graduated from the Film and Photo School of Copenhagen, and in 2015, he co-founded the production company Jala Bear Production along with Christian Norlick in order to have more control in the making of his films. He has since then written and directed all over the world, both for commercial clients and musicians. Now, Christian Norlick, the producer behind Jala Bear Productions, embarked on his career journey in 2008 while still in high school. And he started by creating a series of low-budget short films. Now, much of his professional work has been seen internationally. Their short film, Night of Fortune, is about the loss of a loved one, the grief and a coffin that is too much for a main, for the main character, Carl, to face. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Lessa Noor and Christian Norlick and their Oscar shortlisted short film, Night of Fortune, to the show. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. What Glad a great to be here. Great introduction. Well, you're very, very welcome. But I have to say, Night of Fortune is an absolute beautiful story. It's a beautiful film. And, um, Lesson, what inspired you to write this film? Um, yeah, it's actually quite a personal uh, story to me. Uh, I was uh, at a time where I had lost some people very close to me. Um, so I got to spend a lot of time at the at the hospital, hospital morgue, which is not a very uh, pleasant place, to say the least. Um, it's very <laughs> cold, sterile and unwelcoming. And the only warmth sort of comes from the relatives you have around you. Um, and I had relatives to sort of support me in my grief. Uh, but I was thinking, what if you don't have that? Um, what if you don't have anyone to support you? And then that will mean you will be completely alone. And that is sort of one of my biggest fears, I guess, being completely alone. And when you deal with a character like like Carl, he's a practitioner, uh, he's a fixer. He'd much rather fix a lamp than deal with his grief. Um, so that's so hard for him to sort of cope with um, yeah, his grief and sort of opening up. Uh, about it, yeah. And what about you, Christian? What inspired you about this story that uh, you wanted to see this film get made? Well, um, me and Les have been working together since we went to high school. So um, we've been making films since we were kids, basically, or at least writing and aspiring to make them. And usually how we go about it is Les will have some ideas and we like to I know for Les, it's important that it has like this personal angle. Like you say, write about what you know, but it's also like it has to come deep within for him to connect to the story and for him to go that extra mile. And when he pitched, he pitched like years ago. Now he pitched like a, a few ideas. And it like I just when I heard this one, it, it struck something with me because like grief is universal. We all go through grief and we all have like this personal connection to it. But what struck me the most was like the amount of, of all the feelings that you have are okay feelings, even laughter. So you won't connect griefing to anything funny. Right. But still you would be surprised. We talk about this a lot, like within the, the, like in Denmark, you say goodbye as a family in the room um, to the person. And, and it's not unbecoming to hear, uh, a, a joke about the traffic being made like and and it's like so the feelings are close connected and I think that's what to me at least makes Night of Fortune unique is is that you know in between um, 
like funny feeling that that are allowed as well you know yeah because yeah, i think the, the the laughing and the humor and grief is sort of two sides of the same coin right it's something when you laugh it's it's a relief um so it's sort of a defense mechanism in some way and so that's also a big part of this film of course the the, the humor and the absurdity in it it is and with the character carl when he enters now now set the setting for us because i don't know it, you know it's possible that the customs let's say in, in denmark uh are different uh than here in america here in america if someone passes away the family doesn't get to see the body until it's already been taken to the the funeral home and, and prepped so there the family never goes to the morgue at the hospital unless they're only there to identify the body uh, so if you know if someone passes away in their hospital bed then the next step is they're not going to see their loved one until they get to the funeral home that they choose but in Denmark explain this setting so is this the morgue in the hospital and it is that how it starts let's say in Denmark yeah it is uh, most most of the time it is if you die from an Ill, illness or if you die suddenly it, that's where you sort of go to see uh, the, the the body for the first time and also go to say goodbye uh, for the last time this is also where you can uh, dress the body up for the funeral and and these things yeah so that's that's the first meeting you normally get uh, and it, yeah. and it can be very soon after the the the, the person like takes his, his last breath is quite normal for the family, the closest family, of course, because uh, you will have a funeral, you will have that whole thing like uh, you guys do. But this is like the first time where the close, closest relatives get together and, and say their goodbye. So it's a very, very intimate, very private. And I, I know like we, we talked about this and, and a lot is it's it's a big experience, like uh, the first time you tried and every time. Honestly. Well, I was wondering because my own father was a funeral director for years and he would say he he would you know as i was a kid growing up he he would say that there are so many different customs to learn you know it could be based on culture it could be based on religion but to always to make sure that that family and their if if whatever religion or culture is taken care of and respected. And so when I saw the setting at the very beginning of this film, I was like, okay, what is this room? And with Carl, you know, the door opens, the coffin is in that room. Um, he didn't know how to handle his grief because he was the one that's all by himself. Like, like, let's yeah. say you just said, you know, what would happen if someone's completely by themselves? There's no family. It's just the one person having to deal with this. And the only thing he could focus on to try to, I guess, emotionally run away from grief was focusing on the flickering light. And even the doctor behind him was surprised that he would say, uh, I can fix it. He, he was looking for an excuse 
or I guess an emotional or mental way of escaping. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, completely right. Yeah. Yeah, and then your Frank. Oh yeah. no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying like. We, 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 you, you have these people in your life as well. Like we all do these stoic people that, you know, again, when it becomes too private, it's like, oh, there's a broken lamp. Like I can fix that, but I can't fix the, the feelings I'm, I'm, I'm feeling right now, essentially. Yeah. If, if well, I'm yeah. And, you know, and you have a film and, and, th and I find this rare. You have a film that is so complete in its storytelling, in its framing, the cinematography, the setting, the light. I mean, everything blends so well. The room, it's cold, it's lifeless. And then in, this, in your film, there's a frame where the light is hanging down because Carl tried to fix it and it fell from the ceiling. But then right behind him, you framed his wife's coffin from end to end as if he is not going to be allowed to escape grief. He is going to have to turn around and face this moment in his life and he's trying to find a way to run away from it. And to me, this makes your film so powerful telling the story about grief well thank you yeah <laughs> it was nice of you to see that this sort of we tried to yeah we had the lamp here and we had the coughing down below right and it's sort of the symbol of this sort of devastation he has to go through right so you 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 said it perfectly i'm well, glad you saw that <laughs> well and tell tell us about the character Torben. Yeah, uh, Torben is, is is a character that has is never he's never gotten to say goodbye. So um, he's completely devastated by not having not he's not had the chance to go through what Carl is about to go through. Um, but he's also he's also the the helper that's gonna help um, Carl because he's sort of pulling Carl in because he wants he's seeking forgiveness <laughs> and he wants the forgiveness from other people also because he can't really forgive himself um, so he's pulling Carl towards him and Carl is in the beginning pushing Torben away so that's that's what I love about this dynamic about these two and he's also sort of this helping ghost at this moment right <laughs> well, he is because and i love the contrast of the two characters because carl like you said he's dealing with grief or trying to deal with the grief but he is going to get closure in the end when he when he faces it but then like torben he's still dealing with grief but he struggles to find a way to get closure because he's never seen his wife's body. Both are trying to move on, but Torben becomes this compassionate soul to Carl. And like you said, in a way, kind of like a ghost. It's almost like Torben is delivering this grace and this mercy that's going to help Carl 
because he can see his wife. So the contrast between the two is, I'm almost hoping some way, somehow, that you're going to take these two characters and expand this film even more because I would love to see them, uh, see this story continue. And it's, it's, it's pretty, it, we, we talk about this a lot with, with having the, the two characters in a, in a short film, you have such a short time to, to do it. And what I love about uh, the, the, the Torben character is something. So we went, we went to many morgues, like in preparation for this uh, lo location scouting, like met with the people, heard the stories and, and, and again, to, to tell it right. Cause like Lessa was for months and like engraved in this research of, 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 of grief and our deal with, which is not in any way like a fun research. It's, it's pretty demanding. Right. And, and thus we went to um, different small cities in Denmark, uh, rural uh, towns, and, and we, we uh, visited different morgues. And one of them, we met this guy, he had worked there for 40 years. And what struck the both of us was like, he was so warm. And when he told the stories, he got so um, emotional. And we, we were thinking like, we asked him, I think you asked him uh, the question, um, like if, if it wasn't too tough, like if you're that emotionally invested. And he said like, if I'm not that emotionally invested, I couldn't do this job. And it was his story about this Polish woman that inspired some of the Torben character. Cause it's apparently it's a thing when you don't get, when you don't say goodbye, when you don't open the casket and say your goodbyes, um, you have a hard time like letting go of that grief. You have a hard time moving on without that. Yeah, goodbye. Cause, cause that person could be out, uh, out in the world. You could meet, meet that person just around the corner. Right. You would and always have, well, and that the thing is, is and, I, and I've heard stories and see what I loved about the gentleman that you had talked to who had worked in the morgue for 40 years. A lot of people would end up living behind a wall to protect themselves against the emotions of that job. And it'd just be a job day in and day out. But this gentleman that you talked about, he invested his emotion in this because he thought it was important for the families and see, here in America, if someone, let's say there was an accident or uh, a, a body's never been found, a family will usually have a funeral or a memorial service and literally bury an empty casket just trying to get closure. But I've had people tell me, and they probably told both of you as well, they could be at home because there's not that closure. Sometimes they had that feeling as if that person is going to walk through the door at any moment. Yeah. Is yeah, that what yeah. you have heard from others? Yeah, exactly. And also to, to come back to, to what you said before with the um, Torben helping, helping Carl, that he's in some way he gets closure by helping Carl in the end. Not real closure, maybe. But he's beginning to get there because they're sort of connected in this weird way, right? So by helping, and you know that when you help people out in the real world, you, you feel good about yourself also, right? And by helping Carl, he can sort of start beginning if, uh, to, to forgive himself and sort of maybe slowly start to move on and forgive himself. So the, the Polish gentleman that you had talked to that worked in the morgue for four years, did you take elements of his story to create Torben? 
it was it was actually a Polish uh, woman. A woman. So that the, the guy that worked in the morgue for forty years told us about this Polish woman. And I think Les and him got, uh, like had many calls like in in Les's research of this. But but he told us the story of a Polish woman who lost her husband and son at sea in a shipwreck, and they never recovered the body. So she and she was still to this day living like they could be out there, like in her mind they weren't gone. And that's why like this whole thing becomes so cathartic uh, in a, in a sense because it's like wow that that goodbye might be unpleasant and might be like a terrible thing to go through but it's also really important in in terms of like moving on you know that you have two scenes and they're technically the scenes are depicting the same thing with with Carl. well okay so when carl carl walks in with torben and so carl's thinking that's torben's wife and then the same scene is played with Torben walking in with Carl, with Carl's wife, was what was the significance of them counting to three before they opened up the coffin? Because yeah, to, yeah, to me it was almost like two small kids, right? So and it, they don't. <laughs> I saw. I thought there was something just beautiful about these two elder men, and suddenly they're just small kids. Like this is the first time for them, first time going through this. And I, I thought that there was something beautiful about this. And it's absurd and still, and it, of course it's funny also. But they don't. They don't know what to do, and they sort of <laughs> go back to the childhood in some way. So it's I, almost rock paper scissors yeah, go. Do you do yeah, on shoot yeah. or do you do yeah, it? On, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you, you kind of surprised me because when when they opened it up and it was Carl's wife and the way that you did the camera shot from like inside the casket looking up towards Carl and Torben, I was sitting there think, waiting like, okay, they're going to open this up and it's not going to be her. <laughs> so there was a little bit of mystery there because cause you built up that moment. But in the end... Your storytelling has this sense of beauty in the scene because you can feel Torben's compassion for Carl in that very moment. And I think right then and there, that's when they really started to bond with one another, even though they weren't, even though Carl was still. He he was still a little bit unsure between dealing with the grief, but then mm. there was this very tiny beginning of a friendship that was really going to blossom after the film. Yeah, and it's it's the first time that Carl believes that he hasn't he, he doesn't have to do everything by himself. It's the first time he sort of let another person and it's the first time he he trusts this this character um so that's a perfect little development for 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 him in it yeah well both wives of course torben and carl said that both of their wives their favorite song was night of fortune why was this song used as the title of the film it just felt right 
you know, we, we tried different titles and then we just came back to this. And it's also the first thing that sort of connects the two characters in the, in the middle of the film. Um, so it's the first thing that, uh, where, um, Carl really opens up to Torben and they find, find a, a connection together. So, so the song is a connection to those two characters, but it's also a connection to their wives they have lost. And also when, when Lasse first um, came with the idea of, of not the title, but using the song as like a common ground, th th that's a very big like Danish uh, song from the 80s. And the way that I've always, always like depicted it is like, oh, upbeat, happy, like disco-ish song. But when Lesser then showed me the the lyrics of the song are like super profound and deep and like when when you hear them at the end, I, I still get goosebumps when 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 watching it because it's like it's a perfect little description of their situation and I I had no idea that the song carried that depth because of the format that it was in. But now with this, it's like it's almost po a poetic ending in a sense. It is. I had to look up the lyrics of the song. And I was reading the lyrics, and then there was there are the lyrics within the song that says, Behind the door where everything is possible, you will wait, you will wait. Very difficult to see. And I looked at the words, and all I could think of was Carl walking in to that cold room with the doctor and, and then closing that door behind him. You know, so what is the everything that is possible? Well, it's going to be grief, but love will always be there. He's going to have to learn to to move on in life. And opening up the casket, that's the part that's the, the very difficult to see. So, you know, um, but the song, I, it was a match made in heaven when it comes to filming a, in a music in a music score, um, and then it, there was a there, there's a there's a lyric in there. This is the paths I follow always are death ends, but the stars, and say I will reach you in the end. That to me told me that one day Carl will see his wife again, and hopefully Torben yeah. will see his as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and also. What I what I love about this song is also something general with with grief. When when you talk about the deceived, when you talk about the person, you can sort of also keep that person alive, and that's also one of the things I would I hope for uh, people when they watch the film that they're going to talk about the people they've lost, because it's a way to to keep their memory alive, and then you will never really lose them in in some way. And I think the song also describes that beautifully and and also that that could be a life where they uh, meet each other again um, afterwards what has been the reaction to this film from audiences it, yeah it's been uh, quite quite amazing i must say uh, we've had a lot of laugh and the people have been really moved um i had a we had a screening in in france in clermont ferrand um at the festival down there and I had this younger guy, he came up to me and he said, thank you, thank you. I didn't know I could laugh and cry uh, at the same time. And now I'm gonna go call my grandmother and ask her if she's okay. So that's just 
that was just the perf perfect uh, perfect for me. That's the perfect reaction, right? Because it means it it that it touched him, and he want he want to to reach out and uh, and ask her ask his loved one that um, loved ones that if they're okay. So that's uh, that was just a perfect just, reaction. Yeah, and the reaction everywhere. We we were kind of scared in the beginning because again, it's like you said, it's it's a way that we do things in 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 Denmark, and mm -hmm. also we we um, we allow laughter to be a part of this story. So we were kind of scared that was this going to be too much for different cultures, and then we we got the like we've been very lucky to travel all over the world with this film and. It's just never, never boring watching it in, in a theater. Like people, the response has been to me, like it's unbelievable every time. Even mm -hmm. yesterday we had a screening and like, it doesn't matter if you have, you know, 20 people or you have 1400 people. It's like, you will get laughed or you will get emotion. And so I've, I've been pretty uh, overwhelmed by the reception, if I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can relate to it. I mean, when my, when my father passed away, you, you do go through that immediate grief and then there's that there and then there's that where you have to plan the funeral and then when you sit down to plan the funeral then you you actually end up with some laughter coming in because you can actually think of your loved one what are they going to say to all of this or yeah, like yeah. or you know you laugh and may oh you're making a big fuss over this or uh, or, well, maybe we need to make this a little bit flamboyant because we know how that person was. And so you yeah. kind of laugh about some little things that help you to get through that very difficult moment. And then even yeah. when people have their funerals, usually there's, you know, someone that comes up to, to speak during the eulogy to kind of give some funny stories to just kind of lessen the grief and the pain during that time. So I think the way that you meshed the humor and the grief, but you really encapsulated both of those with this great sense of love within the film, which is why I can see why it has touched so many around the world. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, been uh, it's been an amazing journey, and uh, it's 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 not over over yet. And it's I know. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but for last, like just we're not. Uh, good enough, especially in Scandinavia, to to talk about like when subjects get really sore. So if this can even just inspire a few people like to to call their loved ones. We have in the end of the film, there's a special a special thanks list with with our grandparents on there to kind of like. So this pays an homage to them as well. Um, and hopefully it can inspire others to think of the stories like you did with, with your dad and like kind of relive that and, and not just look at it as a, a, a bad time in your life, but also a very cathartic and, and, and learning experience. Well, how did you cast Carl and Torben? Their performances were truly uh, amazing and they were absolutely authentic. Yeah. It also it actually um, we can start with with Carl and he's actually we're from Denmark and uh, Carl is is actually Swedish and we were looking for an for a Danish actor in the in the beginning, um, but we just couldn't find the 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 real uh, character the real uh, actor for it. We we couldn't find the the one that really wanted to dedicate uh, himself to it. So. Um, 
Christian uh, asked me uh, if we shouldn't send the script to uh, Life and Ray. We worked with him before, actually, on a, on a commercial. Uh, so we sent it to to Life, and a couple of days later, he called me, and he was just amazed by the script, and he he said that he'd cried every time he read it, um, and he'd just been through something very similar. So he just really wanted the part. <laughs> um, so that that just meant a lot to me, and of course, Life and Ray is an He's an amazing actor, uh, very method, uh, method actor. Uh, very method, yeah. yeah. But also, we, we, we t- when we saw him in high school uh, in a commercial, that's how we discovered him. So he's big in Sweden, but we, we didn't, obviously, because we're from Denmark, we didn't know. But but he was so great in that commercial. And then, obviously, we got to work with him on a, on a campaign of our own. And the way, to me at least, it's like his professionalism when he came, because let's face it, sometimes commercials, that's a, a payday for an actor, right? It's, it, it is what it is, and, and, and we respect that. But then he came with the, the script, a one-page script for a commercial, and he just had like notes scribbled down like on the side of the script and had all these thoughts to last in, in terms of directing. And then when we cast, we, we actually had very close uh, with um, uh, casting another Danish actor, but then this was kind of like, I thought to myself, and I asked Lassa, like, should we send it to life? Because he is kind of perfect for this. Like, it, obviously, it requires some rewrites for Lassa because he's Swedish. So they kind of found this uh, Danish-Swedish combination language. Yeah. But, like, I'm so glad we did because he's yeah, so it, good. Actually, it also added something to the script and to the story because he's now a Swedish guy living in Denmark. That means he's more alone, right? It's more fish out of water now. And often it is that the, the wife, uh, the wives uh, are handling the social system. So men are in general, I say in general, not that good at reaching out or um, sort of preserving this social network uh, you've created as a man and wife. So um, yeah, so it actually added something to it. And with uh, with Torben, um, Jens, Jens Jørn, uh, we, I was actually thinking a little bit about him when I wrote the script, but I didn't know if he could sing. So, uh, or if it was possible, because he's, possibly, a, he's, he's a, a very big busy, actor. In yeah, Denmark, yeah so. very, very busy man. So we were actually asking the, the agent and we had some other actors in. And then she suddenly said um, that he was available and he, he would like to read the script. Um, so uh, he read the script and he really liked it. And he's very, he's a, perfectionist really so um but i but i asked him in the end uh, in our conversation can you sing and then he sang the song to me <laughs> and then i was just oh you're the guy <laughs> it was so beautiful and yeah well that was a perfect audition now for both of you what does it mean to have your film oscar shortlisted it's a dream come true <laughs> it's uh, it's also pretty crazy now we've just been to LA and New York uh, right now promoting uh, the film, and uh, it's but it's it's yeah it's amazing and a lot of people get to see the film now so it's yeah yeah not not to mention like the 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 amount of talent we're surrounded by in the the fifteenth uh, shortlist it's yeah. and that's our heroes like we grew up watching Wes Anderson films and we we. When we started the company, so me and Les, we, sh- we shared the production company. We started that eight or nine years ago. And f- as like this fun, far-fetched joke, something like uh, a goal that was unattainable, we wrote a one-liner 
back in the day, like not nine years ago, we said like, okay, every, every project, every film that we do, we treat as this was our tickets to the Oscars. And it's on our Instagram and we forgot about it. We haven't talked about that for what, five, six years. And then all of a sudden, like um, a girl that works for us, she said like, did, did you realize that you, you wrote this on your Instagram and now it's more true than ever. So we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that's true. Like we didn't, so it's, I'm saying like we projected it very early on, but it is a childhood dream for sure. This is Well, you know, I love stories like that. And I'll tell you why. You know, not not to be religious or spiritual or anything, but you know, even in the Old Testament, in in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says write down the vision. And that it will surely come to pass at a particular time and just wait for it. And I love it when people write their dreams down and they look at, look at it, they believe it. And you, sure, we may sometimes forget about it, but we took the time to write it down by faith. And then when it comes to pass, then you're like, oh my gosh. You know, it's kind of like when Jim Carrey wrote out a fake check for $20 million, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was the yeah. same thing, you know, it came yeah. to pass. So I love stories like this and your film is absolutely magnificent. It deserves to be on the short list. And because I'm partial to independent filmmakers, uh, Academy members, let's put this one on the nomination list. That's where it belongs. <laughs> but for both of you, what advice would you give to those who are experiencing loss right now and that the grief that goes along with it? Um, grief, it's sort of, it ebbs and flows and it comes in waves. You have bad days, but you will also have good days. And you got to remember that, that the good days are going to come where things are a little more light. But also reach out and dare to talk about it. Dare to talk about it to your friends, to your family. Yeah, that's what I'm I like. That. And Christian? Yeah, like like Lessa said, um, th this film all of a sudden became very personal. I had my my granddad died while we shot the film. So uh, I drew from our fake hospital to the real hospital. And there was a time when this situation, this goodbye scenario was, was gonna happen where we, it was a very hectic day on set. Um, and, but I prioritized going there and seeing my dad and being in that room. And I remember like, uh, and, and that's what, what I think Les also means is I remember my aunt that um, uh, came up to me and I was like, I wouldn't say stoic, but I was just not emotional yet. It's like I had to go in and then she gave me a big hug and it, I see her once a year. It's not like I'm, it's not someone that I'm super close to, but she gave me like this heartfelt hug that only a family member could. And I just started crying. Like it, I had no control and it takes a lot for me to cry. And I just think that gave, like that hug, remember to give that hug in, in, in that case to, to share that love, I would say. I completely agree with that. And ladies and gentlemen, the Oscar shortlisted short film Night of Fortune is available to see right now. You can go to the New Yorker's website and watch it. It's an 
absolute wonderful film. And if you are one dealing with loss and the feelings of grief, well, just remember that grief is just love looking for a place to go. This film could help you find what you're looking for. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for sharing uh, your wonderful film uh, with us today. I think you have a film that is going to bring a lot of healing to a lot of people. Thank you. Thank that you. was very beautiful set, what you said also. Great advice. Uh, you're, you're very, very welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, again, you can watch Night of Fortune. Just go to the New Yorker's website. We'll have that. It's on screen for you, so that way you know exactly where to go to watch this magnificent film. You can also catch all of the replays of our interviews with the top film directors and producers, screenwriters and actors, even more on our YouTube channel, Bond on Cinema. And we are available on a dozen audio platforms as well. So I want to thank you for watching and listening. And as for me, I hope to see you at the movies.